Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 553, with Haley Fortier and Christy Weiss. I am very fortunate, very, very fortunate that every single investor of mine was someone that I waited on at Sportello. And these are people that literally were like, we love you. We love what you're doing. We are going to give you money and we want you to do something amazing with it. And Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cash flow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Haley Fortier and Chrissy Weiss. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is what we like to hear. So with over 20 years of experience, Haley Fortier and Christy Weiss came together after working in some of Boston's finest restaurants, as well as traveling in similar social circles. In 2016, the two came together on fate, a broken ankle, and coffee. Haley was in search of a business partner, and Christy was looking for a change. So it just naturally kind of happened, right? And then two years later, they opened their... Sorry, so they came together, they opened Haley and Henry, and two years later, or three months ago, you guys just opened your second location, so I bet life is fun right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, life is uh, very, very fun. It's been uh, pretty much a roller coaster. Pretty yeah, much a roller coaster. Yeah, but I mean, things. all in a good way. All Beautiful. in a good way. So, before we dive into your story and extract some knowledge or nuggets of knowledge from the both of you, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, work smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. And did you have one locked and loaded too, Haley? Well, I mean, mine is tattooed on my back, which a lot of people call a tramp stamp, but I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> because basically, it's a quote from Janis Joplin that's be true to yourself, it's all you have. And I think that really focuses on what you Ooh, deliver. I like that. So we're going to dive into yours first and we'll bring it back to you to talk about working smarter, not harder. Why is it so important to be true to yourself? How does that serve you? Um, I think if you're not true to yourself, people see right through you, but also you can give the best of who you are in what you're doing. And I think that is a perfect example of how Haley Henry came to be because it's so fun to work here. Our staff just like 
shines with energy and, yeah. and brightness. And I think it's because they see from me that I'm just going to be who I am. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're not in this stuffy environment here. It's the one thing that we're trying to really get away from. And I think when you have the ability to do that, it's really 100% authentic. And yeah. it's got to be. It's got to be because there's so much stuff going on today. People could spend money wherever they want to. And they're coming here. So if they're coming here, they're coming here because they're having fun. Yeah, and I say it all the time. Behind every great restaurant is a great person. And the, the brands that do it the best are literally just creating an extension of who they are. Their, their restaurant brand is an extension of their core values, their beliefs, what they love. And uh, when you create something like that, um, it makes showing up to work when it's an extension of who you are much easier, right? Because you don't have to put that hat on. Like, right. It's, just, it's literally just you. It's your life. It's an extension of what you believe in. Do you agree with that statement? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Beautiful. 100%. Work smarter, not harder. All right, sister, give me a time or give me an example of when working smarter, not harder has served you. Um, when you're opening two restaurants. <laughs> um, when one's still operating and you know you're you want to make sure that you don't miss the pulse on what's going on here but you also need to give attention and you know training to your new staff so I think that that really was very eye-opening for us and how to manage our time and then also we really strive to give a good work balance to our staff and we have to practice what we preach so I think like for me I, I there's only so many hours in the day and so I want to make sure that I'm giving some hours to my own personal life, but I'm also really present in both things that we're doing. Yeah, and just always like challenging the status quo. I feel like we get kind of stuck into doing it one way, and then why not make that better? Why not improve? Why not always find a way to show up tomorrow a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday? With just Let's dive into where it all started for you guys. Um, so I was working um, at Sportello Restaurant. was there from 2008 on. And just over time, like my... My real thought to myself was after I stopped working for this employer, I really want to be working for myself doing something. And so looking at things in the city, looking at things that were lacking in the city, the only wine bars at the time were really like Spoke and Belly, but they're not in Boston proper. They're in Somerville and Cambridge. And so you look at like the things that are happening in the city and where you want to be and where you think you can or what you can contribute to it. And I think that we were really lacking wine bar 100%. Um, so for me, it was like trying to get the concept going. You know, I really wanted to open a wine bar. I'm not a chef. I love cooking, but I'm not a chef. And so for me, it was like, well, if I open this wine bar, how can we do it in the most minimalist way possible where we can introduce some things that I love that aren't actually cooked? And that's where Tin Fish came yeah. to be. I was really I curious about that fish. concept. I didn't even know. Are, is anybody else doing anything like that? Is that like a unique straight from the the mind of Haley or is that like, did you I mean, it's all doing? over Europe, okay. obviously. Okay. And it's like a huge, you know, Portuguese culture. So there's that. But the first time I had 10 fish was when I was in Spain and I just loved it. It was just like good, but you can't find the quality that we're talking about here. Okay. Like we don't make good 10 fish in America. And as a whole, there are a couple companies that do. There's but, a market there for any chefs listening to I this know. who want to do some curing. <laughs> Uh, so let's dial back and talk about how you got into the industry. I want to really kind of paint that picture, uh, maybe highlight some mentors, some key lessons, some evolutionary points in your career. So you were doing photography, right? I I was doing photography. I was, uh, actually, I moved to Boston because I was working for a photography company. It was called sharpshooters and it was literally like boat photography. And then in the wintertime, 
I went back up to the mountains and did like ski photography. Um, and that just kind of what I really wanted to do actually was I wanted to be a forensic photographer. And so my, my dad was like a, a homicide detective for 30 years wow. for the state. So it was something that could not do that kind of was work. Around. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, and so I really wanted to do that. And the Boston police at the time had stopped just hiring like civilians, um, because everyone was not trained. And so everything was getting screwed up. The crime scenes were messed up, whatever. So they made them become a police officer. So you had to take the test. So I took it for, I think eight years. I took it four times and I scored very high on it, but I never got called in. So a friend of mine was like, you know, did you score high on it every time? Yeah, it scored so like a ninety-seven. Every time you went back, do you have to take it again? Like what? you have to take it to stay current. Oh, okay. So it was real. That's a pain in the butt. Mind. <laughs> I will not use the second word. Um, so, you, for the record, I won't filter anything you want to say. Oh, good. Just go crazy. Oh, we are green light. <laughs> That's a bad call. Oh, we already talked about the importance of authenticity, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, then it was a real mind fuck. So okay. anyway, uh, a friend of mine got me an interview with the Suffolk County House of Correction. He was like, it's probably better for you to laterally transfer. So I got the interview. I started working at the jail. I was a corrections officer for okay. probably six years. Um, you still run into your friends. Still run into my friends, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I didn't want... That's not really where I wanted to be. So I eventually got out of that and then went back into the industry, worked at Landry's, which owns like the Chart House and... Rainforest Cafe, huge corporate, corporate stuff. Started as like their lead server or started as a server, worked up to lead server and then became like... So were you working in restaurants prior to... I was through high school and college, but it wasn't anything... Because Landry's was the first thing I saw on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I mean, I was, but it's like those jobs you think, oh, I need a a job. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? So you were like a service manager, right? So this is your first like management role in the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a... I I was the head server, and then I started taking over, like, training, wine training classes okay. and things like that. And then I did, like, managerial work and this and that. And I was there for probably about three years. But it wasn't, like, working for a corporate restaurant is so different. Because the thing is, is it's like, they're worried about one thing. It's money and the bottom line. And when you're talking about training, education is extremely important. Yep. And so if they don't allow your servers to try things and do things, they just want you to sell the most expensive thing. You're not, you're doing a disservice to everyone because that's just, you're doing what's in the best interest of the guest, right? You're right. helping the guests find what they want, not exactly. what's going to make the biggest margin for you in the business. Like, I mean, ultimately if you take care of them, what will happen over time is they will spend more money, but like it's only after you have their best interest. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a really important part of it all. So I really wanted to leave there and it just happened that, you know, Barbara Lynch restaurants were very hard to get into to work. Yeah. But they were having open not, interviews. Not to date you, but let's put a timestamp on this. I How, mean, this oh, is 2008. Okay. Yeah, this is 2008. Ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah they're turning 10 this year. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so they had open interviews, which I was shocked at. And I went to one. Before we dive into the Barbara Lynch side yeah. of things, um, you had to have learned some positive stuff from a corporate structure, right? I mean, because one thing we can learn from corporations is the systems, processes, procedures, protocols, yeah. checklists. Did you, did you improve in that area? Did you take any of that with you? Yeah, there's definitely a need for all that stuff because it builds structure. 
And, you know, companies that are big, I mean, it doesn't even have to be just in restaurant, but Apple, you know, Google, all those, all those things, they're, they're structures. And they're all the same structure. And that's the good part about it. But if you can take that and keep it and, like, filter it somewhere in your head, use it when you need to use it, but really, you know, bring your own brand yeah. into it. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, it's, it's a good, like you said, jump off point, Chrissy. It's a foundation, right? It's the basics. Like, it's the framework that you need to go on and d- become your own brand, right? So, you, you leave, um, you join the Barbara Lynch Grupo or the Barbara Lynch Grupo uh, because you wanted some more soulful work, right? Is yeah, that, is that I a mean, safe way to say it? Working for, going from corporate to working for, you know, a company that really strives in education and food and, you know, quality of everything that you're touching and tasting and feeling. Um, it's just, it's completely different. It's like night and day. I mean, I didn't like mushrooms when I started working for the Grupo. They're like one of my favorite things now. It's like, wow, you know, your taste buds change every seven yeah. years anyway, but I don't know. So it was, it was a great experience. You know, the wine education was every week. Um, you know, the food ed- education was every day. It was just a, a good place to go to to really round out everything. Yeah. And Chris, we're going to go a little bit longer. Like we're going to, don't worry, I haven't forgotten you, but I want to dive into some of the nuggets you, you picked up from some of your key mentors at Barbara Lynch Grupo um, and how you've transformed over that time. So maybe some of the biggest like trans, transformative experiences, the, the biggest lessons you took, uh, if you can reflect back at those times. Yeah. Um, so are there any key mentors that, that stood out to you? I mean, it's, it's hard to like, it's hard to pinpoint one person or, or two people because honestly, like I have learned from every single job that I've ever had. I learned the most about patients and dealing with stressful situations at the jail because I was okay. in charge of inmates. So it's like, well, let's, just, let's dive oh, into that then. Like what do you, what did you learn about stressful situations? Like how do you handle that? Because that I think that at, at the end of the day, if you have a level head, then that's really all you need. People act out of emotion mm-hmm. a lot. And that's where a lot of problems stem from in any industry. Because you're not thinking before you're, you're acting. And you have to be thinking before you're acting. It's an, you're an dealing emotional with, hijack, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also, I mean, it was a very depressing environment to work there. I mean, I worked there for six years and we had four officers commit suicide oh, in the man. time that I was there. So, I mean, it's... It, you grow up really fast there and you see a lot of things. You also see things you don't want to see and you strive to be better than that. But I learned a lot from that just in, in general as being like more of a rounded person. I learned a lot there. And, and that's stuff that's just invaluable. You just, you can't learn it anywhere else. If you do, you're lucky. But it was, it was, a, it was a challenging time. Even for me personally, very challenging. How did it make you stronger? Just having like learning, like having to navigate those uh, the waters of your emotions and recognizing those emotions and learning yeah, how to deal with them. I think so. I mean, the biggest validation for me was, you know, it, our system is so screwed up. It's a screwed up system. It needs to be fixed. It's never going to be. I don't know when it would, but I guess seeing like multiple inmates being institutionalized to the point where when they got out of prison, they were right back in the next day because they didn't have family. They didn't have yeah. a roof over their head. So for me, it was like, oh, this is so depressing because yeah. you think over time that you're trying to make a difference for them and trying to steer them in the, in the right way. 
Um, and then one day I'm gassing up in East Boston and this guy comes up to me in like a three piece suit and he taps on my shoulder and I turn around and he's like, officer Fortier, I just want to say hello. And I look at him and it was one of my detail guys that used to like mop the floor and stuff. And I said, where are you going? You're like dressed up, dressed up. Yeah. Like this guy was a hardcore dude. I mean, yeah. he was something. And, um, he said, I'm on my third interview with the same person. That's and awesome. I just want to come up to you and thank you because you really, like, you really showed me that I should be better than who I am. And I was Man. like, oh, that's wow. it. That's it. Like, this is it. I can okay. only imagine how yeah. incredible that felt. That's, yeah. It was, awesome. it was a good feeling. I still, I, I mean, I feel like I have goosebumps now Do telling that story, but <laughs> it's just one of those things in life. So I learned from there. But then, of course, yes, like. When I was at uh, Sportello, I learned from a lot of different people. You know, a lot of people think that I learned a lot from Barbara, but honestly, I'm not a chef. So I learned more from some of my managers in ways to act and ways not to act. And I also learned from Kat Saleri because she gave me probably most of my Italian wine knowledge. And a lot of people just said, oh, you work for Barbara. That's so great. Yeah, the company was great. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't really learn from her because I'm not a chef yeah and she is and yeah. she's a very talented chef yeah. so you know she's great but it was so you said you learned a lot about how to act and how not to act so dive into some of those nuggets that uh, i mean because ultimately you know like the the people that are at the top of that organization the barbara lynch's her business partners uh they imprint themselves on their managers and the managers do the same to their staff their line employees so it, it does, am i making assumptions right now no uh no I think the thing is, like, I went through probably in eight years we had, I don't know, five or six managers. Okay. Maybe five. And they were all very different. But a problem that I found with some of them was, like, temper. Okay. Temper was a big thing. And it's like, if you're, if you're like, behind the line, when it, when your boyfriend's a chef behind the line and you're a manager and you are both fighting and then you both walk off the line... That's not a way to run a restaurant. No. And that was very early, so, you know, whatever. But it's just, you learn a lot of things. You say to yourself, oh, I want to do this. I want to bring this with me when I open my own place, but I don't want to bring that because yeah. that isn't something that's helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's not something, you, you never want to push that out on anyone, whether it's your staff or whoever or the, the clients. My God, the clients, like, that's the first thing. Um, I think... I think, honestly, it's the whole era, and we'll probably dive into this later, but the whole era of chefs screaming in the kitchen, yelling at one another. I'm sure that that worked in the past, and it did, and that was the culture of, of chef life and all that stuff. But that's one thing that I absolutely do not tolerate in the kitchen. And I tell people when we hire them, if you have a problem with your temper, you're not going to get the job. So it sounds like you learned a lot of uh, things that you you took the good and the bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there, there was a lot of great things going on. So don't get me wrong. But I, I am one that tends to deal more with the bad things because those are the things that I absolutely, there's a stop at the door. Yeah. They just don't come in. You're, it's true. We, when we think about success, we, all, we often think about the, the higher bar that we set. But there's also that lower bar of like a bottom line like we we don't accept that either like you know what i mean right does that make sense yeah on both yeah, sides 100 yeah so any other i mean are there any like is there anything worth going deeper like a, a time where you really evolved as a professional working with barbara lynch uh huh 
Can I think about that? Yeah, actually, okay. why, don't, why don't we pass it back <laughs> to Christy? I'm going to think about that, and then and, uh, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Here, let me, let me give you a hand. Yeah, there we go. Hello. So, actually, we can probably get it a little bit better. That's better. So, um, Christy, same thing. Like, where did it all start from you? Let's go back to how you got into the industry. I feel like I've always been in the industry. My mom used to cater on the weekends for a catering company, Saputo's. And she would bring me along at eight and I was the salad girl and I would literally like bowl salads. So it started then. And then I always kind of stayed all throughout college. I worked at, you know, a steakhouse and I started there as a host and then a server and then floor manager. And then to graduate college, I had to have an internship. So I was like, I'm already managing a restaurant. Like, how am I going to have an internship? So, um, I ended up working for the Hyatt as a food and beverage manager in downtown Chicago and then I stayed with the Hyatt for a little bit. So you're you're a mid you're a Midwest girl, right? I am. Yeah. Yes. So what? How long how long was it before you came out to the East Coast? I've been here 14 years. Okay. Yeah. So was that? So you have Blue Ginger. That's Boston, right? Uh, Wellesley. Wellesley. Okay. Yeah. So I, I saw that you had Blue Ginger, uh, Alta Strada on the group number nine park on the group and or on your your. Uh, in your history, and also you're the service manager for the Lenox Hotel, right? Yeah. So, what brought you out this way? Let's, let's we'll kind of tap on some of the key. My husband. Okay. We met managing a restaurant in Chicago. Um, we were not allowed to be dating. Uh, we did. How do you guys feel about that? I'm curious about well, that. Well, we work together now. To well, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's the um, thing. I don't know. I think there's no one else you trust. I feel like it's a very corporate way of thinking, and... I think like corporations are kind of known for like limiting the human element of business to keep order structure and they don't really consider the human element, but you're working these crazy hours with somebody. You're not going to be able to control your feelings, your emotions. Like, and I've talked to a lot of successful restaurateurs and their business partners and they're married. It's like, how are you going to say that that your employees can't like, that's how you met. Right. I mean, I, I get, I totally get it. I do too. Yeah. If you're in a, a not healthy relationship, it could translate to the business aspect. I'm lucky that that doesn't happen, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely see the issues, you know, that could possibly arise. Okay. Interesting. How'd you guys work together? Um, we Back were managers day. at the yard house okay. before they went public. So they had 13 locations. It was great. Um, they sent me to California for three months to train on every station that the restaurant had. So I literally worked in the kitchen, on saute, on fry, like on garmage, um, and behind the bar and the host and dishwasher, like everything. Like I definitely came back to Chicago knowing everything about the restaurant. Okay. Um, my husband worked for the same company and did not get to do that. So it was like he felt like he got like cheated. Um, but it was I learned so much working at Yard House, and I'm so happy that I, I took that job. It was, I learned more about beer than I probably ever care to know about beer. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm not really familiar with the Yard House uh, brand. Where, what, can you tell me a little bit more about that group? So they're based in primarily in California. I think at the time they had like eight locations. Now they're like huge. But basically it, they had over 200 beers on tap Okay. Um, of every different style. They also came up with their own freshwater cleaning system. So they clean their own lines. Um, so what were the biggest lessons you, you picked up from your time there as far as what a good restaurant group should look like? Um, consistency. That was, like, really, really important to them. Like, we line taste as managers every single day. Like, it was our job to go and taste, like, every sauce, front of the house, back of the house. Like, 
You do that every day. Every day. So that's a good point. Like, really continue to paint that picture of what consistency looks like. People that claim to have consistency, how do they maintain that consistency? I think it's hard, and I think you have to put money into training, and I think that's really difficult for smaller restaurant groups. Like, at a corporate level, you know, you have more disposable income, per se, so you're able to put food up all the time, and you're able to, you know, crack beer and wine and you're able to let the staff taste and talk about it together, come up with, you know, tasting notes, verbiage, where the smaller restaurants, I mean, I'm lucky here that we're, we do that because we know it's important and it's worth the money. So how do you, how do you, how do you find time to do that? Cause you know, it's important. Like you said, we don't have the same time resources, the money resources, but you still manage to work it in. So how have you managed to do that? Do you block out time? Like take us through it. I mean, our Haley and I are, are present. Like we're at the restaurants every day. I mean, Haley Henry's closed on Sunday, so no one's obviously here. But I mean, we're around, and it's also important that I know it because if I'm not a valuable resource to the rest of the staff, then I don't feel like I'm doing my job. Like I have to. I feel like I have to know more than them, so that if somebody has questions or they're stuck in like you know a jam, like which bottle of wine should this guest have? It's like let's let's walk through this together. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that has always been important that we've, we've always kind of talked and, you know, there's no shame if Haley's standing there, I'm standing there and a guest has a question. I'm like, Haley, what, what were the grapes in this? Or where is this from? It's like, we pull it in and make it this, uh, a conversation and also a teachable moment. Uh, <laughs> I think you put, you, you bring up another really cool part. Sometimes people are, when they don't know the answer, their default is to lie or to make something up. Whereas what you just said, like the owners are like, I'm not sure. Hold on. Yo, Haley. Like, right. And, and that's, like, and that's part of like the pretension that we try to like really break down that wall at both spots where, you know, it's, this is a conversation, like get as much people involved, like the more knowledge or somebody may describe something way better than Haley's great with Italian wine. So if people are like really diving deep in that, I'm like, let me get Haley over here. You know, it's, I think it's important to use your team's strengths and we really try to like pride ourselves in doing that beautiful um so you're i'm assuming your husband's in the industry too that's why i came out he here. here oh okay i did um, not know that yeah all right but he he came out here for an opportunity what, what was no so he so he went to school out here he went to brandeis and then he moved with another gal to chicago oh oh um, and then met me and then he told me that he was like i'm always planning on moving back to the east coast like the ocean's calling my name and i was like all right whatever like this isn't serious so um, he moved back and then he was like a month later, he was like, will you move out here? And I was like, why not? Like I have yeah. nothing to lose. Okay. So I moved out and then obviously I've never, never looked back. And was your first job on the East coast blue ginger? I'm trying to think. I'm sorry. It's been so long. Um, that was like my first like real job. Like I knew that I wanted to work someplace that was like with an established chef that was like slightly successful Slightly, I mean, Ming Tsai is hugely successful, yeah. but I actually didn't know who he was in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly embarrassed to say that. Um, but I liked, I liked when I interviewed with them that they were not corporate, but they were this huge like family. Everyone that worked there had been there for years. Like no one ever leaves there. It's like everyone marries somebody in those walls. Um, but the best managers were there. They were like full of like positivity and like kindness it was i felt like it was the family that i needed from moving from the midwest here so maybe we can do a compare and contrast right now uh 
because when I mentioned what it was like learning from the leaders, I mean, Barbara Lynch Grupo has an incredible reputation within the industry. Uh, not to expose anybody, but when I when I was talking earlier about it, it trickling down from the top to the bottom, I kind of got a little bit of a look on both of your faces. So, what? <laughs> what wow! Like, <laughs> <laughs> Getting called out. So, um, what's no? It's like the the purpose of this podcast is to really di- dissect and to to learn from our past. So, your experiences with the there's there's a sense of family was there not that sense of family in the other restaurant group like why is that so important and i'm not trying to expose you or, no, or anything like that no 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 there there was definitely oh. like a sense of family yeah do you mean in the barber lunch yeah Cuba? yeah absolutely some of my best friends are are from that group okay well. I yeah feel yeah like your core crew from sportello you're still really tight with yeah i'm very 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 close with okay a lot of those people <laughs> yes of course yes got you that's where we that's where we. so what? I think I also think the difference for me working for Ming Tsai is that Ming had one restaurant again. Okay. So like he was very present there. And also he hired, I think that he hired more based on the person themselves than the experience. Like he really is like the feng shui chef. Like if he gets this good vibe from you, like that's who he's hiring. So mm. the people that he had run the restaurant were just such genuinely like good hearted people that they Take, they took such an active role in making the staff feel like completely happy, like quality of life, like went above and beyond. Like he made me take a month off for my wedding. I mean, he set up, you know, vineyard tours for me. And wow. like he, he took care of like our, our pre wedding party and, you know, and he called and took care of most of the bill for that. Like, he's just like, he really like goes above and beyond. So you mentioned something earlier, presence, that the presence, his presence there was different than what you might experience at bigger restaurant groups. Why is that presence so important? Well, I think you have like this, you, you develop this relationship personally with them. It's not, it's not out of fear. It's more, you know, he's leading by example. He's constantly doing the right thing. Like at Blue Ginger, he was, you know, the starter of, you know, allergy awareness and, you know, his kid had, his kids had allergies. So he created a system in restaurants that, you know, other restaurants use to this day to make sure that you have a safe, you know, environment for anybody coming what in. What was that system? Do you know the basics of it? Yeah. So every server had to know every ingredient, everything, and they had something called a food Bible. And so every dish that was served had like ingredient list, what was okay, what had to be substituted based on what allergy. So when you ring it in, it's allergy. You have to see the chef immediately. They highlight the ticket. It has to be signed off by the, the person on the line. And then that per that person has to run the dish to the table. So it's like, it went like, he just, I don't know. I, the way that he made guests feel, I think and we had people come in and crying because they had never been able to eat it out in a restaurant before. And mm, so, man. What's that communicate when you're lo- willing to go to that level of attention to detail and care? What's it communicate? I mean, thoughtfulness. I mean, I really think that's what it, what it comes down to is that, I mean, kids having peanut allergies and their parents never being able to take them on a plane or, you know, in a restaurant before were able to come in and, like, completely feel safe. So I'm curious. Uh, I feel like you guys have probably experienced that you get somebody who has uh, an allergy. You take the order. There's a ticket that has, like, two people on it, but it's, like, two feet long. Like, <laughs> And we there's like almost an energy that instantly, like, shoots throughout the restaurant of, like, you got to be freaking kidding me. But that shouldn't be how we react, right? Um, how 
how did you guys react to those those challenging orders, those challenging tickets? Like, were you positive about it, or like was it like, yeah, we have an opportunity to show people that we got this and that we I set the example? I think that it was so common there. I mean, I would say every three out of five tables had an allergy, mm. so I think it just becomes second nature working there. Um, and I so I don't I don't think it was any different at all. And interesting, it was amazing. Yeah, cool. it was great. Any other big lessons working from this tight knit group? Blue ginger. Um, no, not really. Anything that you. <laughs> I, know, I mean, it's. I mean, I love. I love the restaurant. I mean, I love the guests that, that came in. I mean, the managers were were lovely and. So eventually, you go on to Alta Strada, or yeah, Alta Strada. What was the reason for the the so transition? I knew that I, I didn't want to serve anymore. Like I knew that I wanted to like. Go back to the management side. And it, an opportunity presented themselves, and I so I decided to jump. And How long were you there for? I don't maybe two years. Yeah, probably two, two years. years. And how did you? This is your first management role, or no? You were managing no. at the other. Yeah, it just I needed to like. I felt like I had to like grow out of the the serving stage, and so I just felt like it was a good next step. The clientele was a lot the same, a lot the same as Blue Ginger because it was right down the street, um, and I thought it was a good opportunity. Anything different about this restaurant group than others that you learned or you picked up? Yeah, Alta Strada is on an island. I don't. I don't think Michael Schlau ever came out there. <laughs> it's yeah. an island. Yeah, I mean it is. It's not in the city, and I'd rather be honest. <laughs> no. What do you mean by that? You never like the owner never went to that yeah, restaurant. He wasn't there at all. Okay. Yeah. So Michael what, Di Bacardi was. He totally. Oh, Matt Di Bacardi. His brother's Michael. Matt, I appreciate the honesty, yeah, and like, Matt, that's what we're here to do is to dive into like the things you picked up from your yeah, experience. Matt Di Bacardi ran the kitchen, and he was amazing. He was consistent to a fault, very like military like style, which is not great for morale, but all great for the guests. Yeah. So compared to uh, the restaurant that you came from, Blue Ginger, where the owner presence was just so there, so incredibly there, to where there was not really a presence of the owner, did that, was the culture different? Was it? Yeah. I mean, I, it was definitely different. I felt like it was a very unsupported management position. I mean, you were basically in charge of everything. And then basic, they, the chief uh, operating officer would come and just talk about financials at the end of the month. So I basically felt like I was going back to like a structured work environment, which is not where I need to be. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so what did you draw? If there's one lesson, one thing from working at this time that has stayed with you, what would it be? I think that I probably should have, should have asked more questions during my interview process. Being like what? Like, how present are you? You know, what's what's the face that you want to be of of your establishment? Um, how how are you with the staff here? Like, how well do you know them? Was that even on your radar at no, this time? not at all. So, I yeah. mean, this is why this podcast exists, to, to get people that have gone through it to say, I wish I was thinking about this when I was on the come up, you know? Um, so really being intentional about what matters to you. But you, I think also at the same time, you don't know what matters to you until you've done it. Right. Right. So what matters to you to this day? I mean, we're also leaving out Number 9 Park and the, your time as a service manager. Do you want to tap into that first? Um, sure. I wasn't at Number 9 Park for that long. Okay. I knew pretty quickly that it was not for me. Why? Um, it was too fine dining. I'm way too chatty. I used to get in trouble for staying at hanging out at the tables for too long. Um, it, was <laughs> not, it was not the best place for me. Yeah. I love that, that style of service. It's you know quite formal and 
it was fun for me to learn, but I, I knew pretty quickly it was not the environment that like I, I love like blue. I coming from blue ginger. I mean, I worked at number nine because I couldn't work dinners at blue ginger because nobody ever leaves. And so I worked at number nine dinners and I worked. The guests never leave or the the service. Yeah. So in order to get like a night (laughs) serving job, you basically had to wait for someone to move out of Massachusetts. So once somebody moved out of Massachusetts, I a night opening started at Blue Ginger. So, so it's such I, a great place to work yes. that people sit on their jobs. I mean, that is a testament right there that you talked about all the places we mentioned up to this point, the presence, the care. Um, this people seem like they might be thinking to themselves, who has the time to to put that much presence and care into things? But at the same time, who right now has a turnover where people just don't leave? Like right like it pays off in the long run. Like it, it like it comes back around in different right. forms. You got to be open-minded. Uh, sorry. No. Right. <laughs> I like that. Um, so I worked at number nine just to basically subsidize. And so once blue ginger had a night opening, it was like, sayonara. See you later. I'm back where I belong. <laughs> nice. Um, but you ended up becoming the service manager at Lenx hotel. Yeah, so. I did. So I worked at blue ginger. I worked at blue ginger, went to Alta Strada and then left Alta Strada. And then I was like, what, what am I, what am I going to do? And then I was like, maybe I'll go back to hotels. Okay. So I knew Brendan Griffin, who... Was this in between number nine and... I worked at number nine and Blue Ginger at the same okay. time. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, I knew Brendan Griffin, who is this was my husband's manager at Union, and he's lovely, and he also plays the organ at the church, and how can you not love somebody that does that? Um, <laughs> he was like, the Linux Hotel is hiring a concierge. And I was like, what? People use a concierge for like restaurants? I was like, I need to know more about this. So I interviewed and I was like, this sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and so I took the job there. And then from a concierge, I ended up becoming a front desk manager and then ended up becoming the service manager. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. We got a transition to you guys coming together now. I think we're getting close to that point, yeah. right? So uh, you, when did, let's bring it back to Haley. When did you know? Yeah. Let me help you out. Moving the mic. Moving yeah, mic. I need to get a, I need to get a third mic. That's, 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 that's next on my list of things to invest in. Um, you were at the Barbara Lynch Grupo. Um, yeah. You had made the decision that you want to do your own thing. Um, let's pick it from there. Like, what were you? What was that? When did that thought come into your mind? And when did you start living intentionally to make it happen? So, uh, so we opened Haley Henry in 2016. So probably 2013. It was really like three to three and a half years of really just like thinking, how am I going to do this? This is the concept that I want to do, but how am I going to do it? And so you knew the concept of wine and canned fish. Was that like, yeah, the, the that basic, was literally probably three to four years before we ever opened because it was really what I wanted. How'd you know that would be a good idea? Like why, why was this? The, was it just what you're passionate about? Like, how'd you settle on that? Um, because I think at the time, you know, and this goes back to what I said earlier, it's like you look around the city and you look at the things that you could improve the city with Mm -hmm. and no one was doing that. Definitely not like unique selling proposition, right? Something that's unique to your operation that separates you. Really interesting, not boring. You don't want to go to the same boring restaurant every time, just spread out all over the city. So it's like, what do you... What are you going to do? Like, what can you bring? How can you bring a different life into it? And so for us, for me, it was like, okay, I want to open this wine bar. Um, I want to put tin fish on the menu. Now I need to try to source it from like the places that I think I can, or I, I need to do something. So, that- so you're laying the, the, the groundwork. You're making sure that this concept can even be a reality. You're finding out who you're 
suppliers are going to be. So right. when you do decide to pull the trigger, like all you got to do is unroll it. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I mean, I went into certain things, asked backwards, and then certain things I did, I think, fairly right. Like, basically that. Let's do it. Let's talk about the things you did right that you can think of. So that, like, really, like, putting the groundwork down of trying to find the producers that I had in Spain. Where were they here? Because they weren't anywhere. And so it was a lot of, you know, emailing, cold call emailing, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I finally got a hold of... Um, this guy that worked at uh, in Ann Arbor at Zingerman's. Oh, okay. And he was like, have you had Don Morgata? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know where to get it. And he gave me finally like this one contact name, emailing back and forth, emailing back and forth, nothing. And then all of a sudden like email back. And I'm like, yes, this is like the in. I'm going to be able to like do this. So I talked to him. His name is Manuel Maya. Lives in Portugal. He's the producer of Don Morgata. Uh, everything and so what is Del Morgata? Del Morgata is the brand of sardines eel okay. trout mackerel whatever it's one of my favorite brands because it's delicious I'm gonna have to leave you're gonna have to have one basically <laughs> yeah. so we emailed back and forth we didn't meet in person until two years later because I knew he was going to be at the fancy food show in New York and fa- finally after two years of like really getting this going we met for the first time, and he was exactly everything that I thought he was. He was this little, short Portuguese man. He's just a great guy. Um, and so from there, because now I had a contact in Portugal, it expanded and expanded and expanded. And we got, I mean, you know, tin fish is just like wine. It's just like anything. There's a lot of shitty tin fish out there, and there's really good quality. Yeah. And we, we really take time to curate that list really well. So you, you put the time in to cultivate the relationships that yeah. you would need to support the vision is one of the things you did yeah. really well. What else did you do well? Um, I am very fortunate, very, very fortunate that every single investor of mine was someone that I waited on at Sportello. And these are people that literally were like, Ugh, we love you. I love this. We love what you're doing. We are going to give you money. And we want you to do yes. something amazing with it. This is and something that, sorry, did I cut you short? No, I mean. This is something that comes up so many times on the show. And I need to put emphasis on it because every day of your life in this industry is a job interview or a sales pitch. Yeah, and you And you pitch this in how well you do your job. Right. And you never know who that other person across from you is going to be, what relationship you're going to create. Take advantage of every in, not advantage, but make make the most out of every relationship you have because you never know when how well you take care of somebody else is going to come back around to serve you. Right. And you have such a great opportunity every day to create opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Maybe I used I mean, the word opportunity too many times in that sentence, but <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> do you want to, you're shaking your head, Chrissy. Do you want to reflect on what I said? No, because I think I... I'm I'm so proud of Haley for those relationships. Because I'm proud of Haley. Because those relationships have now... <laughs> created this amazing job for me and then also I have these amazing relationships now with her investors who I love so much like they believe in Haley like I've never seen anybody believe in, in her relationships really this industry comes down to relationships it's right. that simple yep. uh, swinging it back to Haley um, so you relationships with purveyors uh, relationship with investors investors what else did you do well? um, I think that the business plan was pretty solid and it really is pretty solid. Still. What made I mean, it solid? Because it's all about simplicity. Really. It wasn't like this huge overhead. 
I'm not going to build out like this restaurant that I'm going to be spending thousands of years to pay back for all this equipment that we don't need yep. when we're doing something that we want to be doing low risk and it's yeah. none of it's cooked. Yeah. So my original concept was really cheese charcuterie, crudo ceviche and tin fish. That was it. There wasn't really going to be anything. There might be a salad. There might be whatever, but it wasn't something like you actually really probably didn't need a chef to be honest with you. You did, but you didn't. And it was, or you that. Could have a chef on, but at the same time they could be like, Almost part-time, right? Yeah. I mean, you need someone to plate. You need yeah. someone to kind of come up with some of those things. But I think, I mean, I'm very biased, but I think I'm a good cook. But I'm not a professional cook, but I love cooking. Yeah. So I know about food. I know about all that stuff. But and it's really rock solid. God forbid something happened to the economy now. And it's going to come. Trust me. Like, the recession's coming. We could go back to what the original business plan was. And we would survive. What was the original business plan? That, what I just said. I mean, I'm looking at our menu. Our menu here at Haley Henry is so big. And it's great because it's like, you know, it's way bigger than I thought that it would be. But it's like, wow, we're turning out all this incredible food in this kitchen. Like, this is crazy. It's like crazy. But have you drifted from the original business plan? No, because it's, it's all still there. It's just that I think over time, and I think Christy will agree with me, that people now are coming here for dinner. They were coming here before or after something, but it wasn't a destination thing. Maybe it was, I, I, if people wanted to like try tin fish and what is this all about? Blah, blah, blah. But now people are like, we are getting reservation after reservation. Like, we're coming there for dinner. This guy the other day called us from the airport. He's from Miami. He's like, I'm only here for three hours. You're the only restaurant I want to go to. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Like, this yeah, is great. You that know? is amazing. So can you just like pinpoint the things about that business plan that make it rock, rock solid? Like, it's the low overhead, like things like this, the things that make it a good th- choice for investors right you are behind it like your your brand what you bring to it what else was made it a a rock solid business plan i i mean speaking not for Haley, but i think you did the right thing of opening the size of the restaurant i mean this is under 700 square feet in here Mm -hmm. um and i think starting starting that way was great i think the menu the concept the half bottle program that we do for wine where we open anything on the list as long as you agree to the half bottle that's something i don't think boston had ever seen before and I really think it makes things more approachable to our guests. Like we're a place that people can really spread their wings and try a lot of different things. But I think all of those things were factors in making that a very successful business. So this, you mentioned the size. I just, I think I counted it right. 28 seats. So 28 seats. We have four hidden seats. So it could be 32. Are they up to, where are they? They're in the hallway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about the size being small that, helps i think it feels really nice in here when there's intimacy yeah when there's five people or there's is that what makes you mentioned the educational point of like it's more of a you're in my home like you're right here with me and let's talk about it when you're in a big restaurant like there's space between you you can't just shout somebody to answer real quick right yeah yeah definitely i mean i also think too it's like you know it's when i didn't want anything big I did not want that because you have to have intimacy in dining. You have to. Like, yeah. it just has to be there. And if you, you know, I, I always look at wine bars that are in Europe and somewhere else because Europe's really doing it right. Like, yeah. we need to get there. We're so oppressed here. We need to get to where that level is. But it's like, it's more of 
um, like camaraderie. Like I'm going here after work. I want to see you. You know what I mean? It's not like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but, but intimacy is really important. And I think what we were trying to do and trying to take the pretension off of wine bars in general, it's like, how are you going to do that? You've got to like lower the expectation, like un- under promise and over deliver, right? That's the, yeah. that's the thing. I dig it. Uh, I have a lot of different directions I want to go right now. It's, it's a matter of choosing which direction. You, Before we, I asked some of the questions I have, you mentioned earlier that you did some things wrong, too. You did some things ass-backwards. Yeah. So we highlighted the good. Now let's try to maybe point out some of the things you wish you would have done differently. Okay. So it goes back to, like, the investors. It's like... I'm so proud of that whole thing. I'm also proud of the fact that the first three investors that I ever got were all females that were like, blindly was like, take this. We don't even want to see anything from you. Just take it. We don't care about your business plan. We just want you to do this. So that was great. But Side note, I got to interject. Only take on investors that are investing in you, not the business. Yeah. I mean, they knew that it would be great, but they didn't care what it was, yes. so to speak. And then it comes into other investors yeah. and all my investors are amazing. But, you know, some of the other investors that I got later are all business people. I mean, everyone's a business person. Don't get me wrong. But they're like, really, I want to see your business plan. I want to see this. I want to see that. It was a lot harder to do. So when I started construction here, I was not fully financed. That's the ass backwards. Okay. Totally fucked up part of it because it's like shit i was so stressed out my girlfriend was like what i don't know if we're going to survive like this is just one of those things where it was very very stressful and it was for me like watching these guys because i was here almost every day watching construction doing part of something and watching them like hammer things in, make things whatever and in my head i'm like how the fuck am i going to pay them yeah i don't know where my next big check is coming from I'd gone to the bank. They wouldn't give me anything. It wasn't because of my credit. My credit was great. It was because I don't own anything. Yeah. So it's like, what's the collateral? Exactly. Like, how are we going to make sure that you pay us back if something happens or whatever? And the stress of that, I think, is like just tremendous. It's a so tremendous stress. In your mind, reflecting back at that time, what was uh, the pressure? What, why, why did you want to get the ball rolling so fast? Is it because you had a deadline that you were trying to meet? Because... Or- well, I found this space and I signed the lease. And this is what people don't get. I looked at spaces for like a year and a half. And when you find the space, yeah. I wasn't even looking at the space. I was looking at a space across the street. And I walked out of that being like, absolutely not. There was a little sign on the window here. And I was like, what is that? Like 680 square feet? That's like so small. Yeah. But I peered my little head in and I was like, I have got to get my eyes on that. And when I walked in here, I knew it. I said, this is it. My, my broker was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> I've been showing you these spaces. And I said, yeah, you've been showing me spaces that are big, yeah. too big for me. Yeah. So, well, what are the other benefits of starting small? That, I mean, can you either of you think of those benefits? I mean, you get a taste of it and then you go. But to be honest with you, like, just because you're a bigger restaurant with bigger seats and all that jazz, it's more money. Like yeah. you can still be yeah. very successful at a small venue and make money and pay your investors back and do all that stuff 
without having like, oh, I need a 400 I seat. Totally so. want to get into that, but first I got to find out what else did you screw up? Was that that was well, that the one thing or No, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. But but that's why that we're was, here to help people know what the, the, what right. they might not consider through your experiences. So what else comes to mind before we I do want to talk about the size thing cuz I I have I'm curious about that, but I want to make sure we lay out all the other possible lessons. Um, well, construction was definitely one of them. Not understanding, like, why is everything taking so long? What is, what is going on? What's this and that? Uh, financing, definitely. I got a huge break when I met the right banker, and he, you know, had faith in me, and that was a whole come-to-Jesus moment, and he's one of our best friends now. We love him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I think it's different for everyone. You don't know what you don't know based on what you're doing. And yep. for me, it was like, you know, I was kind of freaking out because I know I didn't really need a chef, but I actually really did to kind of deal with that, like ordering, all that stuff, hiring, hiring. hiring just the whole nine yards. And I wish that I had taken more time to really find that first person on that side of things because I feel like I just hired someone that was interested and I should have gone way, way into that. Like I should have, you're talking about back of house. Yeah. Back of house. I should have like really spent more time trying to find the right chef at at that moment. Cause what would you have done? Like things, specific things you would have done knowing what you know now to find the right chef. Do you have one time on that? Chrissy? Yeah. 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 Let me help you out. Um, I feel, I, yeah, I feel like it was kind of a shotgun decision. I feel we would have had multiple interviews possibly. And I think now we've learned a lot. And I think we, we ask really hard questions during our interviewing process. When we're searching for this, we really talk about, you know, running a small business. We, we were constantly looking obviously at numbers, I think which any restaurant is, but I mean, it's really important that we're hiring someone who can really see that because our team is so small. So there's no one like we're constantly going to be looking at you asking questions. And if you don't know a lot about that, it, it, it really is. It hit. It hurts us. It totally. So you're, you're somebody that is going to be more of a, like a partner than an employee. Somebody who's going to like own that arm of the business, so they can you can go to them for not only to get things done, but to like for direction, right? Right. I mean, I think Haley and I had pretty strong backgrounds in you know in financials and running you know correct numbers as far as beverages and food and labor. I think that we were looking for really an executive chef, chef de cuisine that had experience with, with all of those things. And I think that we probably didn't ask enough questions in that interviewing process. We, I don't think we sat down long enough. And so, you know, you take everyone you, at their word. And, you know, I think we both have, you know, a, a, a lot of trust in, in what people say and we're very true to our word. And, you know, I think that, now it's it doesn't make me question people. It just basically I you know we we dive deeper. Yeah, um, we're missing a huge element of the story, and it's when uh, Christy came on scene. So she did you come, Christy? Did you come on as a partner, or because no. you're a partner today? Yeah, I yeah I am, but I was that with the second location. I don't know. I don't know. Was it? I don't. Does no. it, is it? Should we hold off on that decision of, of bringing you into a, as a partner? Maybe. I don't know where it comes in chronologically. I think, it was, I think it was probably when we were talking about doing that. But I, so when I was opening here, I, I still needed 
someone. I was like, I need like a general manager that really knows their shit. Like I, I can deal with all this other stuff, but and I'm good at numbers. But you know, it's always better to have what other that stuff you're talking about person financials like let's do the P&Ls let's really like I mean this is the stuff that no one sees people think we go to work at three are you fucking kidding me like we're up at six <laughs> seven sometimes they're here at ten thirty to, to do interviews yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like no every day we're working probably like 13 14 hours literally like yeah. it's like people don't see the the back side of things and so Christy and I are everything we're our human resources we are our hr department we are like i mean i know those are the same things but i mean we 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 are everything we're our bookkeeper we have a bookkeeper but we are our own bookkeeper because we want to keep our own yeah darn records of things so it's like i don't know so i needed someone that could really kind of get there with I mean, me also we do all the event planning we respond to every email every phone call i mean Literally, it's it's just Haley and I. So if you're emailing the restaurant, you're emailing Haley and I. Mm-hmm. If you're calling, you're calling one of us. I mean, every wine that goes on the list, we taste together. And it's really great to have someone else because I find a lot of wine menus go in one person's direction because that person is doing things. It's really nice to... We check each other sometimes because she's like, you already said something on the, like that on the list. <laughs> <laughs> because it's easy to, you know, to basically to your own palate to put things on that you love. So it's nice that we have that back and forth. Also to run ideas by each other, we can enforce immediate change in the restaurant because it's just us. Which is another benefit of being small when right. you need to pivot. It, it's like being on a little jet ski versus being on like a, a cruise ship. Like you can right. boop, yeah. adapt. Um, one thing that I love diving into is what makes this a good partnership. What, how, how do you two complete each other? How are, where are you strong and weak? Like what lanes did you identify and what lanes are you in now? Like, and how, how does that all like lay out? So I kind of describe it, which is so cheesy, but I say Haley colors outside all the lines. Like there are no lines. Like if you give her a piece of paper, I'm right there with Haley. Um, (laughs) I mean, she's probably the most creative person I know. Um, where I have never even thought to color outside the lines. Like, that doesn't exist in my world. Like, I am very, like, I'm very structured. I like things, like, uniform. I I mean, she'll, like, just make a wait list, like, when we're on a wait, and, like, just, you know, right? And I'm like, no, it needs to be on the Excel spreadsheet so everything is makes sense <laughs> in the box. And, like, I mean, it's really good for me because she's forced me to be to be more creative and it's really pulled me outside my comfort zone. So I think that's really great. And I think in turn, you know, I think Haley is now sees that sometimes it's good to color inside the lines. <laughs> I'm not going to agree to that, but basically <laughs> I will agree to, it. I mean, Christy, you know, she's right. I, I am very creative and I think that's a really good strong point for me. And, you know, I do our social media. It gives her anxiety. Like I have to think about what we're going to be doing because she hates it so much. She's like, I can't believe you're going away for the weekend. What am I going to post? Like, just like this. Yeah. Like you're my centerpiece. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, really, it's seriously just have fun. Um, but Christy, I mean, she is very structured, which is great because our numbers are always knock on wood, like very, very good. And a large part of that is because she's, looking at them like we're both looking at them but she is hawkeye yeah and i'm like a little squirrel with a nut i i don't know so do you know this about yourself when you're looking for a partner you're like i am all over the place i need something to reel me in um well i wouldn't say i was all over the place eric (laughs) (laughs) but i uh 
I knew that I really wanted help in that area because I can bring the creative drive to it and I know how to serve people and teach people how to do that. But it's like I needed someone else to be like, does this make sense? Does all this stuff make sense that we want to be doing? And it just kind of happened. I mean, Christy was injured with her broken ankle. Our friend Heather, who owns Barmazana, was like, you should talk to Haley. And that's really where it all started. Like, we sat down for a meeting. She hobbled over to the table. Oh, my God. <laughs> we <laughs> sat down, and we just had a conversation. Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? What's happening? And she hobbled over because she broke her leg on a skateboard. I should probably paint the picture for the yeah, listeners. <laughs> she did. Um, and it's so funny because we then had, like, a couple meetings after that. And in my mind, I was like, totally. This is it. This is it. I thought I told her that. She, she called me one day, and she's like, so did you, I mean, did you hire me? And I said, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yes. Oh, you never said it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I basically so. was like, she's really just stringing me along. Yeah. <laughs> so well, there's one other thing I really want to bring to the table. Uh, you guys have a hard stop I should know about first. It's no. a, okay, cool. Um, it's 1130 right now. Just making sure. Uh the size. I want to bring it back to the size. Because a lot of people will say when you start too small, uh, you limit yourself because of the volume. You can only make so much money at bottlenecks. Um, and I, I'm curious about that because I tend to lean more in, in your direction. When you start small, it's about the experience. It's about the relationships. It's about staying true to the, the vision, the, the values, the, the ethos of what you are. And when you're dealing with how many employees do you have when you first started? Seven, eight. 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 And there was uh, two. Okay, so there was two partners, or there was uh, there was our chef, and then there was two or three people, three people under them, and then we had four servers. So you can make such a bigger impact impression. We talked about presence earlier with Christy. Uh, you can have that presence. You can be more omnipresent, right? And then that ethos is going to make that much more. It's, it's like a needle. With a needle, it's small, right? But you can go so much. It's so much easier to go deeper with a needle, right? Whereas if you have something big and blunt, it's just gonna, it might make a big boom, but like, is it going to make an impact? Is it going to stick? I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I told you that like, my broker even was like, you're going to outgrow the space so fast. You're going to whatever. And I was like, no, this is exactly the size I want. This is exactly what we want to do because we need to tailor it. A, we need to see if this thing is going to fly. Mm-hmm. And if it does... Then we'll talk about like what some of those other you options always scale. might be yeah. exactly. But it's like I was like shitting bricks. I mean, this is my first time out of the gate on my own. I didn't know what was going to happen. I I thought that success would be there and attainable, but it, you know, I didn't really know if that was going to happen or not. Um, but I think with having a smaller staff, you really you had the opportunity to really like teach them the way that you want the face to be. And Christy's like, we were here every single day. There wasn't a day really. I don't think that we had weekends off. I mean, we had Sundays off cause we were closed, but other than that, it was like, Oh, we have one day off. What, what are we going to do? Like this, yeah. this is crazy. You know, I think people get into trouble when they have in their mind that they, you know, I need 50, 60 seats. I need to have 20 employees, 30 employees. But when you make something big out of the gates, you have to have the same impact with more people than whereas if you were only had fewer people, you can 
you can manage that better. And it's all about, I mean, the special things come from the relationships, right? right? Yeah. And when you have to manage fewer relationships, then you can make a bigger impact, a bigger impression on all the people. And then you can bring other people up to your level easier. And then that's when I always, I mean, I like to say, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but two things determine growth, cash flow and people. Mm. And if you start, especially in today's market where there's nobody to, to work, like people can't find employees. Yeah. Why would you want to create that extra challenge for yourself? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. There was a, like we, when we opened, we started out of the gate. It was, it was good. And then we had a couple months that were just a little bit slower and a little bit slower. And I remember like really freaking out being like, I have enough money in that bank account for one more payroll, maybe two. And I don't like, is this thing going to go? And then all of a sudden it just went, boom, mm. we're two years. We, we what turned- happened to that? The- we got great reviews. We, I don't know. I, no, I think here was the change. It was busy and a lot of people came in and then it did die. But what happened was it was still Haley and I here grinding every single day. And we started talking to every guest that came in and creating regulars. And like they started bringing their friends back. And then slowly it just mm. started to be like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. And like even last night I was here, somebody said to me, how many people do you hug a night in here? And I'm like, well, I know everyone that comes in. Like it just, I hope that means I get a hug on my way. Out. Um, it's, <laughs> I just, it's like, we've created this space where people come to celebrate things. People come to cry about things. Like we're, they're also our friends. Like it's, it's so it's not a transaction. It's, 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 it's like, it's so much more than that. They've become like, so part of a part of our life. They're like our biggest cheerleaders. Like I'm always constantly saying like, I cannot believe how amazing our guests are. Like our staff is awesome, but our guests, like, they really like champion us. Like they get behind us. Like I've never seen anybody. I mean, they're so like warm and they know everything that's going on in their lives and they, they want to know about everything. And it's like, they come in and they're like, I trust you pour me whatever you think I'm going to like. And I Chrissy, just, what do you attribute? What do you attribute that to? I think it goes back to Haley's like, you know, her quote is that we really stayed the course and we stayed in our own lane. We're really true to ourselves. And during that slow part, there could have been changes that we made, but we kept saying, like, we just have to stick with this. Like, we just have to keep doing what we do. And it really, like, ended up paying off. And I feel very fortunate. Like, I, I feel so great that I can work in a place where we can totally be ourselves and that people really like that. I love it. Um, I can't believe we've been chatting now for an hour and 10 minutes of recording time. It goes by so fast. I've been loving this conversation. Anything you guys want to drop on me, anything that you're hoping we would talk about that hasn't come to the table, we're going to leave it on the table. I don't want to leave anything out. I think our staff, I think that's the one thing I think that we need. Like, I think that we being true to ourselves, we hired amazing people with personalities. And Haley said from the very beginning that we never wanted to be this place where people couldn't express themselves. And so everybody brings their own individuality to the table and we really get behind them to do that, to create regulars, to be themselves. And it's because of them. We have so many people that come back and it's because of them that I, I, we get to do what we do. Yeah. I mean, also it's like, you know, they have an identity. Uh, I'll say, you know, a lot of things, but one of our servers, her name's Megan Moran and she is funny. Her nickname is Marge. That's a whole different story that, spans years ago but she does all of our music and our music is our life like our guests love our music and so she does them all so we we name her dj lamarge and so it's like 
they're they're always like you've done all this stuff whose playlist is this like is this spotify no it's our music can we have it can we have it so we start sending it out to people because it's really important but she feels part of that you know i think anytime we're sitting down at a wine tasting and we have staff around we're like come come with us let's let's all choose this together and it's all about like camaraderie and making people feel like they own the space and they're part of it and they're part of everything good happening yeah. here and that's important so something uh, i've noticed I, and, and this is you can tell me if you agree or disagree i feel like food in the industry has kind of hit a ceiling where we can only do food so good and i think that we've gotten with the social media and sharing knowledge uh more people are more and more across the board food is being done well at restaurants right and it's easier and easier to find a really good food in a city because of how much is being shared out there. Uh, but what is still really hard to do, what trumps food today, in my opinion, is the relationships and the culture. Um, because the foods hit the ceiling, so how are you going to diversify? And I think it's really from the, the impact, the quality of those relationships with you and your guests and your employees. So culture, in my opinion, is going to, is going to be what helps people pull ahead. It's going to be really the, the determining factor. Yeah. Uh, Right? I, talk, I talk about this a lot because basically we have so many people that come in and the first thing they say is, oh, we think that we know you already because we see you on social media. You're like our family. We've met had just Oompa now. I've stuck in my head for the past like week <laughs> see? or through two days. We got least. you. So we got yeah. you. Yeah. But it's like. Go, this will be airing soon. Scroll down a few posts and yeah. you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. We'll have your handle at the end of the show notes. But it's interesting because it's like we talk about social media a lot and it plays a huge, huge part. If it's not Instagrammable today, nobody wants to see it. But the other thing that's really important for us is everyone's like, you know, we get we get from all angles people being like, we want to do your social media. We want to whatever, whatever. And I'm not bashing social media people that do that. But my problem with it is that they are not here. Come in and take stock photos and sit in your office and try to write something really yes. funny yep. and great and blah, blah, blah. You're not in the fucking restaurant. It, like, it, yeah, exactly. You're not our voice. So it's like we're going to – I don't care if it looks like it's a do-it-yourself video. It I don't give a shit. It is, it is a do-it-yourself video, yeah. and we're going to keep doing them. I say it all the time. Social media should literally – it's like l looking into a window. Right. Right, right exactly. Yeah. And it's it, like it, that's the biggest – like gratification we can have because it's like if people think they already know us and they've never been here we've done something great because that's what we want i love it christy anything you want to get out before we move to the speed round i don't think so i think we covered a got, lot of things you guys have been crushing it I, I, well i'm tempted to ask when you knew it was time to go to the second location but is I that think, a whole can of worms no i think <laughs> you know the first development meeting i ever had i'll never forget it it was with the samuels group who is my landlord over there and i remember coming out of that meeting my broker was like what are you doing and i brought like cheese charcuterie and three like really awesome bottles of wine and he was like what are you doing i'm like well i need to show them what the concept is like this is a drinking meeting and they loved it and at the time they only had things that were like 3,000 square feet. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm doing this concept. It's got to be smaller than that. And so we just walked away from each other. But they actually ended up reaching out to me last summer, the beginning of last summer. And we're like, we have this space. We think it's great. And I was like, are you shitting me? We just turned one at Haley <laughs> yeah. Henry. Like, this is, there's no way we're going to open that faster. No, just you know, come in, come in, come in. 
we'll talk about it. And one thing led to the next, and it's it's a great location, and it's a good opportunity. And that's what one thing people don't location is everything. Yeah, it's everything. Yep, man, this has been a great conversation. We're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. If you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two things that you need to let determine your growth. The first thing, that's people. The second thing, that's cash flow. And we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because I'm working with CashflowTool.com, the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business. CashflowTool.com is simple powerful and predictive it's simple because it requires no data entry it's always up to date and it works on any device anywhere it's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar activity feed and anomaly detector you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises and it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow head over to www.cashflowtool.com unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price all right i have a question for you how can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant hmm well for starters fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated 40 billion in losses in the u.s in 2017 alone and this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the u.s eeoc in 2017 resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination so do i have your attention good because there's more employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something and i get it but with ethics suites anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com you can provide a safe secure simple and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you will get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success the mic is on christy go for it okay i'll go i'll go mine is humor my humor yeah yours is humor um i'm reliable reliable Reliable. i am i like it what is your biggest weakness i anxiety ridden Ooh. uh i think mine is that i'm a libra so i try to keep balance when i really need to just kind of set the tone in business sometimes got you and i'm curious uh, i'm sure you're not alone with the anxiety thing how are you overcoming that what's one thing that you do to cope with that well, I think first admitting it, because I think sometimes people are afraid to admit it. And also... Drinking it away. No. <laughs> um, and I think it's important to set expectations. I mean, I'm really lucky that I work with someone who I also consider my best friend. So it's really easy for me to say, like, I, you know, I need this from you to, like, make me more at ease. And so we, we have a good, healthy relationship. I dig it. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Do one of you guys want to feel this one or both of you? Um, I think I think 
the the one thing we always look for is we always ask someone what's your weakness what's what's the biggest failure you've done and how have you overcome it because the way that they answer that is very telling of the type of person that they are and if you can't admit that you have a weakness we're not yes the conversation's over awesome I think you have to have some humility that's like and some humility Uh, what is your biggest challenge today this month this week Uh, not all those but like generally speaking now-ish Finding a sous chef. Finding a sous chef. Yeah. Staffing. Staffing Staffing in the back of the house has been the thorn in our side since we started. Not the front of the house, but back of the house, there's a lot of reasons for it, but that's been our thorn. Okay. Yep. How are you planning to overcome that? Well, uh, we are taking our time. Uh, we, I mean, it's hard to find people right now. It's very, very hard. You're not alone. That is not going to go away. And you, you know it's an issue in cities like Boston are having trouble finding people where there's like a college around every corner and nook. Right. You know, it's, it's a real issue right now in the industry. Yeah. It's yep. a big, big problem. And the casino is going to flatten it too. So yep. can't wait for that. Interesting. I think, I think also we're the people that we do have, we're investing in and we're making them feel a part of the team too. So we have this, our core group is, is really amazing. And they're, we're basically making them part of our family and, we're hoping, you know, that, that they always stay. And when we're adding, we're trying to find the same thing. What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. And you guys are both front of house folks. So um, There is no script. Zero script. No script? Do you want to... Same? Same I mean, the no script thing is important because you have to have... If everyone were the same vanilla, it's boring. And that's that's not what we're about, so... I think, was it Michael Cooney who said it? Somebody said it. I can't remember who. It was recent, but... uh, it's a matter of getting your employees to create their own regulars. Ah, I said get, that. I said that. that. I oh, say you stole to, that from I you? say to them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike. <laughs> I say to my service staff all the time, I said, are you a server or do you have regulars? Like, are you creating regulars? Because that's the difference between being that person and just being someone that's coming Treat to Treat it like work. you own it, right? This is your home. This yeah, is your place, right? Exactly. Yep. I love it. Um, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? Okay, this is really funny because I don't read restaurant books because it's every restaurant is different. You can take things from it, but I just finished The Doldrums, which is a children's book. And the reason that I think it's good to read children's books at the stage I'm 41 is because they're so creative and it keeps your mind going. And for one instance in the day, nothing matters. Like nothing's that bad that you can't figure out. And that's my honest answer. Like, I feel like adults should be reading, going back to the basics and reading like children's books to really like inspire you. What's that book one more time? The Doldrums. The Doldrums. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. That'll be in the show notes. Um, I reread almost every year, the happiness project. Mm. And it's kind of just to get me back to like finding joys in small things and setting the tone for, for what I'm doing and making sure that I'm on my right path. Beautiful. What was the biggest lesson from that book? Uh, sorry. <laughs> Bye, Tora. We're, um, we're saying goodbye to Tora. She was also very nice to me uh, letting me in here earlier. <laughs> um, for me, it's like it just is, you know, I'm 
I'm really bad about like finding hobbies and doing stuff for myself. So it's like, for me, it's just like a kick for me to like start doing things that make me happy outside of my work. Cause I, I love it here. And yes. so I tend to, to hang out for too long. <laughs> I dig it. If there is one tool or resource you wish you had when you're getting started or wish you had now, what would it be to make you better? I didn't have a screwdriver here, and I really needed that at some point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, we needed a drill, too. No, I know. That's not what he's doing. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I think the thing that was the one thing that we should have, we've talked about this before, was really taking time to like research the people that we really wanted to come here. Building a team is really important. And we've really struck gold in a lot of ways, but we're still, I don't know. I think just trying to f- to have better mentality going into choosing people like that. Gotcha. For me, anyway. Do you want to add to that, Chrissy? No, I think that that, honestly, like, I feel fairly lucky that, you know, the opening here was as smooth as it was. And I think that, you know, we know, we've pinpoint where we need to more help in. And I think we're, we're working on that now. What's one technology you've adopted within your four walls and restaurants and has, how has that helped influence like operations, communication, profitability, things of that nature? It's actually Google Docs, I think. That's a huge one. <laughs> I, um, we do nightly logs at both restaurants and I really think it's, it's a tool if, if maybe Haley and I aren't closing the restaurants, you know, we could read it in the morning to know who came in and, you know, what we're low on. It's a way for our staff to like leave us notes and we write back to them. And so everyone has access to, to those and it's like the perfect way for us to like on all, f- all fronts to, yeah, there's no on. excuse. Like you got the message. It's there. Like we all have right. access to this. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. This is the last question. Or did you want to add something to that? No, this is the last question. If you got the news, you'd leave, be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your, with your departure with the exception of three things, you know, to be true, three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for the, and for the restaurant industry. What would they be? I think the first one is you are never going to know as much about wine that you think you're going to know. You're always, always learning. And to bring that pretension of that level down to be like, oh, I know, blah, blah, blah. You don't. Yeah. I don't know everything I'm, I'm ever going to know about wine. And I, I won't even until the day that I die. There's one thing. One. I think be kind to everyone because you never know who who is coming in or, or what their, their story is and who they are. Or they've. Yeah, you have no idea. So I be kind to literally every single person. Two. Do we have another one? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say like the guest is the guest is not always right. Playing Twister over here, trying to get on the mic. But I think it's really important (laughs) to listen listen to your staff and have your staff's back because the guest isn't always right. And there's certain extremities, of course. But you have to be willing to stick up for the people that come to work for you every Beautiful. day. Beautiful. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, schedules to sit with me to share your story and your knowledge. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you guys admire and believe would make great guest mentors on the show. That's how I found you. Thanks again, Michael Cooney, for reaching out. And uh, I'm going to be in Austin if you guys know anybody out that way. Ooh, I don't know anyone in Austin. I'll, but here, I'll, I'll local, take whatever you got. Okay, so local, I think Cassie from Sarma. Oh, Cassie Puma, she's so nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, Cassie, Cassie and Karen Akunowitz is also opening Fox and the Knife, and I. Think I had Karen on the show last week. Oh, you she did? crushed it. Oh, yeah, I she love was awesome. Her. Um, yeah, Cassie from Sarma. Yeah, I think I she called Cassie. out Cassie too. Oh, she. What's did. the last name again? Puma. Cassie Puma, look out! I'm coming after you. Would love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know if we want to come. Uh, try your restaurant or even maybe come join your team you are looking for a sous chef you just mentioned so what's the best way to connect and follow what you're up to just go on our website and all the emails come directly to us and uh, (laughs) what's the website uh well www.hayleyhenry.com and then or or natalie bar yeah okay and uh handles social media handles instagram same Haley henry bar natalie wine bar beautiful i'll have the links in the show notes again Haley. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time to, you. to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There is another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. What a great conversation. And thank you again, Haley and Christy, for taking the time early in the morning to to crank out this interview. And I got to say a special thanks to Christy for hooking me up with that can of mackerel on my way out. I've never had canned fish like this before. I had no idea it was able to be that good. Uh, So tasty. And where do we even start with uh, this conversation? I think the overarching theme of today's conversation, it's safe to say, is relationships, right? You heard it with both their first jobs, or not their first jobs, but early in the interviews with Haley talking about the the corporate scene, how that didn't jive for her, and uh, Christy talking about the relationship at Blue Ginger, uh, just how it was such a, a an owner heavy, a hands on experience, and the, the level of care there, uh, of people just caring for one another, uh, the owner, the ownership caring for employees and the the team, the uh, caring for the guests, right? With the whole extreme they would go to to make sure people with food allergies were being taken care of. Uh, you just saw it time and time again, and then uh, relationships, right? When Haley was going to get. Funding to open her first restaurant, all of her investors came from the people she served, right? You never know where your investors are going to be. Treat everyone like an investor and just really just treat everyone amazingly and it will come back to serve you some way, somehow. And we also talked again about the, the importance of the, rela- the relationships in their restaurants, why they want a small, intimate space so they can have a bigger impact on their guests and uh, the emphasis that we put on relationships with staff, right? It just came up time and time again, cultivating relationships. Awesome conversation. Thanks again, Haley and Christy. All right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. I'm here to go to work for you, but you got to let me know how I can best serve you. I'll keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher radio coming. They help so much. Up to 152 reviews. That's awesome. Uh, But the best way to support this podcast, you know it, is by sharing this resource and this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry. Just share the word. You are the average of those you surround yourself with. And at Restaurant Unstoppable, anybody can surround themselves with the best. All right, guys. That's all for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. I love you all. And until next time, peace. Out.